your home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Le'Veon Bell's contract talks are on the back burner. Kevin Colbert said as much at the owners' meetings. That, to me, should be perceived as a little bit of a shot across the bow at Lev Bell. That's my opinion. I don't know how anybody else interprets this, but I don't know know how else you do. I mean, let's think about it here. According to the quote, we're not intentionally ignoring that. More urgent business needs to be taken care of. Kevin Colbert is about as calculating as anybody in all of the National Football League. He never says anything unintentionally. We will reassess where that is. He'll reassess where his interests are. I anticipate us continuing that process once we get through free agency and maybe through the draft. The draft can change things on both sides. More urgent business? Things can change? In other words, hey Lev, we might get a running back. You want to wait until week 10 to come in? Okay, do that. Maybe we can get by without you. What this likely means is that they're putting negotiations on hold until they can figure out if they can get another running back of consequence in free agency or the draft. This serves a few purposes. Practically, it gives the Steelers a chance to better buttress themselves against Bell's leverage by bolstering depth of the position. Secondly, it's a smoke signal to Bell and his agents that the team has already done everything it can to let Bell know how important to the team he is. A $13 million offer and a second franchise tag is enough. In other words, if that's not enough for you, we aren't going to put our team on hold until you change your mind. I doubt this will get Bell shaking in his cleats, but in the optics game, this is a card the Steelers have the ability to play. 412-333-9939. Steelers fans, I'd like to hear from you on this tactic from Pittsburgh as it relates to Le'Veon Bell. And where do you think they should go at running back now? Should they get somebody in free agency, or should they go the draft? By the way, had a caller check in that said that Sister Jean is only in a wheelchair because she had hip surgery. I, does it matter? Like, honestly, like, does anybody know her out of a wheelchair? That's the point. We know her as the little old lady in the wheelchair that gets wheeled up to the games each and every time Loyola of Chicago takes the court. That's how dedicated she is. So, so why are we changing reality? Like the bobblehead, she's dancing around, she's smiling around. No, that's not what I want to see. I want to see her giving the number one or the middle finger to Charles Barkley. <laughs> that's what I want to see in the wheelchair. This is how I know Sister Jean. Everything else is changing reality. But back to the thought already in progress about the running back position with the Steelers. You know, I, I think, and not to say I told you so, but I told you so. I, are, are we done? Are we done with the annual yearly panic that the franchise tag is going to bust the Steelers cap? The next time the Steelers do this, can we just stop with the annual faux outrage? Like it's the equivalent of putting a Jaguar payment on your credit card when you can't even afford to pay your student loans. I mean, my God, when are we going to learn that the NFL salary cap is not a hard cap? It's a bubble. And Kevin Colbert knows how to inflate it and deflate it at will. Morgan Burnett got signed by the Steelers. And uh, some projections had him making 
$8 million a year for a multi-year deal. Before Teran Matthew entered the market, this guy was ranked as the best safety on the board. But the Steelers just signed him for $19 million guaranteed, period, over three years, instead of eight point five for a multi-year deal, or $8 million. So somehow, some way, the Steelers are exactly where I told you they could be if they wanted to be. Franchise Lev, get at least one starter and one backup in free agency between safety and inside linebacker. They are where they should be. If Lev Bell hadn't been on the franchise tag, they still wouldn't have gotten two starters at inside linebacker and safety. They wouldn't have. Like, did you want them to overpay for Avery Williamson anyway? I think this is a smarter route to go. I'd rather see good money thrown at good, meaning $14.5 million thrown at the best running back in football. I'd rather see that happen than overpay for a middle-of-the-road inside linebacker just because he happens to be the best guy at his position in a weak class. They weren't going to get Anthony Hutchins from... Dallas, and then go out and get Morgan Burnett, too. That just wasn't going to happen. So somehow, someway, the Steelers are where they should be, where we all expected them to be. Like, if I told you at the start of free agency that they're going to franchise Lev, they're going to get who was perceived to be the best safety on the board, and they're going to get a depth inside linebacker to tutor and to be ready in case their first round draft choice inside linebacker isn't ready at the time would you have taken that i think you would have 412-333-9939 stunning miracle of miracles they pulled it off you're just gonna have to believe me next time you're gonna have to listen to me when the steelers franchise a guy even a guy who you might be mad at in lev bell it's not salary cap suicide it makes sense And they massaged their needs around it perfectly. So now the question becomes, though, this little PR game that Kevin Colbert is playing, this little maneuver that he's throwing out there, what should they do at running back? I say draft one in the second round now. And that's not just for this year, that's for next year. Because this is, in all likelihood, Le'Veon Bell's last season in Pittsburgh. I I don't see them getting a long-term deal done. I don't see Bell moving off of his number. If he can't come down from 14.5 to 13 million when the Steelers came up to 13 uh, million, it's just not going to happen. So, barring them getting a long term deal done, which I don't think they will do, this is it. He'll be gone next year. So, get a running back this year, have Connor in better shape and ready to go. There's two. And then maybe you sign yourself a free agent or make a trade for one next year. And there's your. Back by committee that everybody wants so desperately. Or maybe your rookie running back that you don't treat with such kick gloves as you did Connor. And I I still don't understand why they did what they did there. You know, they brought him in. He was supposed to supplement carries for Bell. He was pretty good when they gave him the opportunity to do it. Okay, he didn't pass block very well for Roethlisberger. I get it. They don't put him in that situation. Just give him the ball a few times and sort of take a few miles off of Bell. Because when they put him in, I thought he was decent. And then he got hurt. But they can give themselves an answer for next year in a more ready fashion than having to put themselves in a panic of how do we replace 406 touches when Le'Veon Bell isn't here next season. You know, I think they're in a good spot. Right now, the Steelers have had a good offseason. 
And I know a lot of you don't think that because they don't have Bell in a long-term deal or you didn't want Bell to be here. You see the franchise tag as the worst possible evil. It isn't. This is where they should be. And optimism usually doesn't reign supreme this time of year with Pittsburgh because so many of us see all the other teams out there making big splashes in free agency and the Steelers don't do much. But this is a good thing. What they've done is set themselves up well. Now they just have to draft the right guy at inside linebacker, get a good pick at running back in the second round, and then I think they're in good shape. Then go pass rusher in the third. And you've addressed three significant needs, all of whom can contribute in minimal opportunities behind starters except for the inside backer who might be able to do the same thing anyway if Bostic is better than I think he is. Tweet me as well, at Tim Benz, PGH. When we come back, you know, just kind of talking about the sort of political correctness of the bobblehead doll and everybody fawning over Sister Jean or Sister Jane or whatever her name is. Political correctness has really gotten out of control, and this week in sports, it has manifested in a way I can't believe. A whole bunch of stories have coalesced and come together and sort of sat in this gelatinous pit at the bottom of the news cycle, and we're going to address them all. And somebody needs to answer me why this stuff even matters. We'll get to that. The catch rule, too. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you saying that because you know it'll make me make fun of you? Yes, I love you, Mark. But I'll be quite blunt, slap nuts. The X at 105.9. 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. It's the Mark Madden Show. Tim Ben's in for Mark today. Let's do a hard reset here on what we've been talking about throughout the course of the show thus far. The Steelers have said that Le'Veon Bell's contract talks are on the back burner. Should they address the running back position in the draft? I think they should. Second round after inside linebacker. What say you? The Penguins talked about Sidney Crosby early to start the show. It looks like Sidney Crosby is starting to do Sidney Crosby type of things, and that's good because the one thing missing from Sid's game this year has just been raw goal scoring, and I think they need it because defensively, this team, and even in goal to this point, hasn't been what it has been. Uh, going into the playoffs, in my opinion, in recent seasons. The coach talked about that himself yesterday after the game. Shot suppression has become an issue. I don't think they're as bolstered as they have been in goal with uh, Murray being injured and coming off the death of his father and uh, not having Marc-Andre Fleury as the backup. So I think they have to outscore teams more than they have in the past. You tell me, what concerns do you have about the Penguins Moving forward defensively, are some of these problems that the Penguins face, are they just anomalies? Will they go away when the playoffs hit? Is it simply a matter of getting there, or are there legit concerns that you think exist that can't be fixed? 412-333-9939, and also call that number to talk about what Pitt should do as far as its next basketball coach. I say Eric Musselman is the answer. Uh, I think he's just about the only answer at this point, to be honest with you. Any of those topics are up for grabs. Uh, we're giving away WWE tickets, by the way, at the end of this segment as well. I'll tell you, I can get those in just a few minutes. But I noticed how, and, and we talked about this. Do, do we have the clip, by the way, of uh, Leonard Hamilton uh, that I that I sent for you, Bob, or not? Um, it, there's a lot of political correctness crap that has just congealed in sports over the last week or so. Like, for instance, uh, you're not allowed to say that there's too much of the little old lady from Loyola Chicago, or you're excoriated and you're a horrible human being for saying, just focus on the games and talk about the players. 
the Forbes women's hoop story. I know Mark talked about this a little bit. There was a suggestion out there that people aren't watching women's basketball because there's too many males who are in charge of news departments and newsrooms. That's not it. Women's sports just aren't as interesting as men's sports, and they don't bring in the revenue, and they don't draw the ratings. That has nothing to do with a bias against women's sports, aside from the bias that exists that people don't watch. You know, Martina Navratilova came out and said that she was upset when she found out how much John McEnroe made versus what she made from Wimbledon to do broadcasts. Well, you know what? Yeah, he might make 10 times more, but he does a lot more. They ask more of him. I just feel like everybody is sort of in sports glomming onto whether it's the Me Too movement or the, uh, you know, let's put the right foot forward to break through the glass ceiling thing. And there's everything right about that, but it's being misapplied in the sports world as if the sports world is a realm for political correctness. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's not that at all. It's counter to that. It's survival of the fittest. And if, in the case of women's sports, they don't draw enough viewers to the set, that's not the fault of those in charge saying, make America watch. They'll watch when they feel like watching. Like, for instance, when the women's soccer team was as good as it was, with Brandy Chastain and Mia Hamm, we all watched. But still, for the most part, More people watch men's soccer than women's soccer, which is why I thought that the women who were on the women's team that were trying to jockey for more money when they were talking about holding out pushed the envelope too far. You know, that was a moment in time, and maybe the gap is closer between women's soccer and other sports, the WNBA or NCAA and men's basketball, but it's not as close as they were making it out to be. Here's another one that came up this week. Do we have that clip now, Bob? All right, so Leonard Hamilton from uh, Florida State. After they lost in the Elite Eight, uh, he was approached by Dana Jacobson, and she asked about him not fouling enough towards the end of the game against Michigan. And here's how that exchange went. Take a listen. Take me through the final seconds of this game. Why didn't you guys foul? Uh, what are you talking about? Down the stretch there, the end of the game, the final seconds, 11 seconds left on the clock. Do you think that the game came down to the final seconds of the game? I'm asking you, though, why that decision in the final seconds of the game? The game was over. You didn't think your guys could get back in it, put them on the line you if they with, miss those shots? I mean, but 15 seconds, what, what, what were we down? Put them on the line, they miss a few shots. Coach, a four-point ball game, it's a question that, that the guys were asking at the end of our game. That's all I'm asking. It didn't come down to that in your mind. I thought they, I thought they did a great job. They had a great... Uh, Game plan. Uh, it forces into what 14 turnovers in the first half. Uh, that was uncharacteristic of our team. And I think that you, you need to give them credit for what they did. I- okay. And he went on to explain a little bit further, but he's getting killed for this. He had to issue an apology. Florida State issued an apology on his behalf. I'm going to ask you a question. If that's a male reporter, are they issuing an apology? If that's a male reporter, is Leonard, Leonard Hamilton being excoriated across Twitter? Or is Leonard Hamilton shoots down stupid reporters question? That's exactly how it would go. Did he come off like a dink? Yeah, I thought he came off like a dink. Should he have fouled? I kind of thought he should foul. 
You know what? I, I agree with the line of questioning, but if that's a male reporter, we're not excoriating Leonard Hamilton and making him sound like a jerk, but he's got to be nice to the female reporter. That's, that's not how it should work. We shouldn't have a double standard. You know, I've had coaches and athletes be jerks to me every time I've asked them sane and logical questions, and I've gotten responses like that. Nobody feels sorry for me. But no, Leonard Hamilton does that to a female reporter, and Florida State has to issue an apology on his behalf. Come on. That's a total double standard. Spencer Hayward, that was another one. Spencer Hayward was talking about how college hoops has a tinge of slavery to it. Okay. Uh, Did you mean that for Grayson Allen? Did you mean it for the center at Purdue? You know, did, did you mean it for the white kids on Loyola, Chicago? Are they slaves? Come on. Isn't that a bit hyperbolic? You want to start talking about paying college athletes and giving them a slice of the pie more? I'm ready to listen. But again, when it comes to pandering to political correctness or pandering to the left in any sort of political form, when this hyperbole comes out, it just weakens the argument. Like, when you compare college hoops to slavery, slavery, like these guys are being made to play college basketball, and you're talking about the conditions that slaves were in versus what college basketball, they're getting a free education. And you're trying to make that akin to the same thing, and you expect me to take that point seriously? We've lost our minds on all this stuff. You know, and just because this gets likes and retweets on Twitter, we make it feel like it makes sense. None of it makes sense. None of it does. Mike Lang next. We'll get back to hockey here on 105.9 The X. And, and, and I got to give away the tickets for the uh, WWE event. Um, two four packs of WWE SmackDown tickets. Tomorrow night, PPG Paints Arena. They're going to be um, able to be won again in the 5 o'clock hour, but for the uh, 17th caller. 412-333-9939. Win the WWE tickets right now. We'll get to Mike Lang next. You're on 105.9 The X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. Brought to you by Coors Light. Enjoy $3.50 22-ounce Coors Light drafts at Bubba's Gourmet Burgers and Beer in South Point and Cannonsburg. Pleased to be joined right now by the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mike Lang who has authored more than one highlight reel Sidney Crosby goal in recent games, Mike. It looks like Sid is starting to find the back of the net, perhaps the one element of his game that had been missing thus far here in the second half of the season. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's starting to put on the Ritz, and uh, the, uh, the biggest worry for other teams is that uh, he gets in the groove and uh, is back and healthy and going, and... Uh, you know, the playoffs, uh, you kind of wish they would start tomorrow for the for the Penguins because I think they're ready to go uh, and and start the journey and see if, what they can do this year. But certainly, uh, you know, want to try and get a little momentum going into the, uh, you know, that opening round. And if he can do that and keep the, keep the pace, it's going to be a pretty good sign for them. Mike, as I said to start the show, that goal that he scored yesterday against the Flyers, I don't know if it goes into his top 20 but it has some element of every one of the 407 that he scored in his career. Now 408 with that one. You saw the puck protection. You saw the strength of the legs. You saw the ability to 
you know, stick handle and get the defenseman down and ward off Couturier in the first place and then uh, get the puck past the goaltender. There was so much about Sidney Crosby crystallized into that one goal. I walked away very impressed. Well, it just takes your breath away, really. I mean, in a situation like that, and if you're the goaltender, you know, you predominantly you look at Sid and you uh, you don't talk goal scoring, okay? I mean, as, a, as the ultimate goal scorer. So the thing that a goaltender always has to have in the back of his mind and every other, I mean, you watch him enough, is that he's going to make a pass. And so you have to kind of cheat. You're kind of looking and looking and looking. Well, in that particular case, he just, you know, he's able to read what the goaltender was, what space was there. Uh, is it a lucky shot? Yeah, probably is, but he can put it there. I mean, he's going to be close, let's put it that way. And what he can do with it, uh, you know, is, is amazing. And I, I look at him, uh, the way he's skating, particularly here the last uh, three weeks, and and uh, he's always had the ability to go with the stick and the one arm and uh, kind of warding people off. But who's that very reminiscent of? It's number 71. And so maybe he's picked up a thing or two from uh, from Gino, really. And Gino's the master at it. I mean, he absolutely almost invariably on every shift will do that. Um, so they're good for one another, and uh, they, you know, and and I'm sure that Geno's learned some things from Sid and watching him play, and how he approaches it, how he handles the uh, the biscuit, and, and it's a, it's great uh, competition and a, a great relationship that they've had over the years. Mike, Sid's shooting percentage is down, so we can't say that his lack of goals this season, as opposed to the 44 that he had last year, is all about a lack of consistency with his line mates, but. You tell me from your vantage point with your eye how much of the inconsistency of who he is playing with is factored in to the lack of goal production from him this season. I don't really think so much, to uh, be honest with you, Tim. The shots are just about the same as they were a year ago. Uh, it's a variable stat that goes up and down. Uh, last year he was over 17%, so yeah. uh, it's a big difference uh, you know, from, from one year. The norm is more in the 12 to 14 range of good good players. Um, so he had an exceptional year last year. Now, Gino, on the other hand, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was 17% last year uh, in his uh, goal, and, he's, and 19% this year. So uh, those are high numbers, and that's uh, that's a good sign. I mean, if if you're going into the playoffs, that those two guys really could uh, can score goals. But I just think it's a matter of uh, year to year and how it goes for him. Uh, I, you know, it's amazing you brought that up because I looked at Connor McDavid and he's just streaking right now. And uh, he had 30 goals last year. He's got 39 this season, and he's uh, uh, what? He's gone from 12 percent, I think, to 15. Uh, maybe a little higher than that. Uh, uh, McDavid, uh, yeah, from 12 to 15 this year, 15 percent on his uh, percentage. So those are those are strong numbers uh, for. For guys that shoot the puck a lot, and all of those players that we're talking about certainly do that. Uh, if you're looking at it from a positive standpoint, it means it might even get better for Sid. I mean, if the number is going to go up, that's a good sign for the Penguins. Mike Lang with us here on the X. Mike, it's not just him that's getting hot. It looks like Derek Brassard is figuring some things out here with the Penguins as well. Uh, I, you know, I think he's more comfortable, and, I, and I've, uh, I've uh, when he first came to the team and. Uh, yeah, Mike Sullivan's system is not an easy system, uh, Tim, and it's it takes time to adjust to it. And uh, every player that comes here that hasn't played in the in Wilkesbury knows it uh, like the back of their hand. But when you're when you're uh, you know going to have to learn this system and how it works, uh, especially with the number of personnel changes that Mike is uh, uh, making and uh, during the course of a game, it's not an easy thing for a player to grasp and 
and be able to do it. And he's, he's down to the detail and what he wants done and how they work it. So you had to give him some time to see how he responded and how it worked. Uh, he certainly looks more comfortable, I will uh, say that. And he's a big spark plug. And, I, uh, you know, the one thing that, uh, that Derek Broussard can bring to the table is uh, we've watched him enough on the other side uh, against the Penguins. Uh, come playoff time, he's, uh, he's a top performer. So if you can get him in that mode and get it going, uh, it's another asset to have uh, approaching the uh, the opening round of the playoffs. Yeah, Mike, and to that end, let's amplify that point because coming to this system from Ottawa is not just learning Pittsburgh's system, it's forgetting Ottawa's too, right? I mean, and not just Ottawa's, it's 10 years of Columbus and New York before the two years in Ottawa. So shot blocking and trapping and things that have personified those other programs that he's been in, you know, I'm working on a piece for the trip tomorrow, and I likened it to a football player being a rush end in a 4-3, and next thing you know, they're dropping in coverage of the 3-4 outside linebacker. Or, yeah, I mean, it's a difference. There's no yeah. question. Yeah, and uh, and it's a high-paced uh, you know, tempo, and that, that fits him well. There's no question about that. But there are other things and other wrinkles that... Uh, that they that they do employ and work with, and I'm not going to go into detail and all that. You know, that's that's something that they work in in a in a, in a private way. I guess that's the way I want to say it, and and that's uh, that's their prerogative and how they approach the game. But I do know just in talking to players uh, that have come to the team that they, they almost kiddingly and laughingly he's talking about it takes some time to learn the system, and and I think Derek's not going to be any different than any other player that would come in that hadn't played under it before. Listen to the Pens tomorrow against Detroit. Mike Lang, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, to meet Tim Benson for Mark today. I think the other thing with Broussard is, and I, I believe Mike Sullivan alluded to this after the Montreal game, Mike, is that he's not getting the volume that he used to get in Ottawa. His ice time is down around three minutes per game because, well, he's the third-line center behind those other two, and he's not getting power play minutes like he used to. So there's reasons why the scoring is down, but... You know, the Hosa guy didn't exactly get off to a great start either when he got here. He only had three goals in his regular season stint with the Penguins. Next thing you know, he's got 26 points and 12 goals in the playoffs. So uh, I can see this turning around. I see this upward trajectory for Broussard continuing moving forward now. Well, you and I talked uh, originally before the deal was ever made, and I told you it would be difficult for him to come here and be a top one or two line center. And it's 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 not what his role was going to be on this team and um so they're going to have to, he's going to have to take the minutes that's allotted to him and that's what it's going to be he's going to be in a in a situation where he's probably going to be in the defensive zone Raleigh Shan can't take the defensive zone draws all night long and uh so he's going to be regulated pretty much to that with the 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 the, the reason I believe that they made the deal is because of depth uh, uh Tim and if one of those two top guys go down or somebody else on the wing, Broussard is capable of playing on a top six role easily, you know, on the top two lines. So it's don't be too critical of him when he, when he doesn't win a face-off. His lifetime uh, percentage, I think, is around 49%. But he's going to bring something to the to the playoff scene particularly that uh, just fits right in with the Penguins, and that is that compete level and that ability to uh, excel. And he could play a number of places before – a playoff, uh, you know, run is all done because uh, there are situations where if God, you know, help help everybody. Uh, if you can stay healthy for the full, full twenty eight games, should it go that God bless you. But uh, he's probably going to need needed yeah. not only in that role that I talked about, but other roles too as 
as well going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's a song I've been singing ever since before, you know, going back before yeah. the deal was eventually consummated. I'm with you. Mike Langer, guest here on the X. Mike, those are the positives. Let's get to the, some of the negatives here. And I would say shot suppression has been chief among those of late. 33.6 shots against over the last six games. Uh, that's not real good, especially for a team that maybe hasn't been as rock solid in goal this year as it has been the last two. Yeah, I, you know, it's every year is a little bit different. Uh, but, I, you know, they, on the other hand, uh, Tim, the, the Penguins are right there, one or two, in the top team of getting, getting shots themselves uh, in games. Uh, so, I mean, it, they've, they've been able to accomplish what they did a year ago when they led the league in that category. I still think that's, uh, you know, going to be their MO and what they're going to work with. The other side of it is we've got more teams, uh, in the NHL right now that are going to the Penguin style and playing that way. So shots are up. And, uh, the biggest thing that's most noticeable is the power plays. You've got 19 teams, at least going into the game last night, that are over 20%. In the in conversion rates, that's a, that's unbelievable. Last year it was eleven, which was a very high number. I think a couple of years ago, eight and seven, uh, six teams. It, it's amazing. So you know you're getting more shots, uh, particularly on the power play, and uh, that may you know be a factor in, in in what you see. And and maybe it's opened up. Maybe the game has opened up a little bit for all of us to to kind of see some goals being scored uh, instead of looking for the. Uh, you know, the 2.0 goals uh, and less per game, which was kind of a standard bearer for maybe four, five, seven years uh, in this league. So me, for one, I'm, I'm kind of happy that, that they have opened it up a little bit and we get to see some of these great players that players can make. Well, given that, and given the proficiency of Pittsburgh's power play, what can they do, Mike, to get more power play opportunities because those have been scarce of late are they just getting bad luck from the officials not giving them the benefit of the doubt on calls or are they failing to put themselves into a proper position to get a lot of power plays no i'm seeing a lot uh least numbers that i just look at the box scores uh they're down everywhere uh tim it's not it's not just the penguins uh for some uh reason uh i don't know if that picks up again now when we get to the playoffs i mean you never know when you go in uh um, they didn't call a whole lot of them last year, as you remember. I mean, it was wild and crazy, and you could uh, you could take somebody's head off and get away with it. I mean, it just was uh, the, the stupid to the other end. I'm sorry. I, I just didn't buy it. But it, I, the numbers are, are, are down a little bit here as far as power play opportunities, I think, anyway, in the last two to three weeks. Whether it continues, I, it, you know, I don't hold the meetings with the referees and what they talk about. Uh, going to the playoffs, and, and we'll just have to wait and see how it how it plays out. It was a pretty t- tumultuous uh, playoff year, really, all around the league uh, as far as um, the, the things that went on, the shenanigans that happened uh, among teams. And I'm hoping they kind of clean it up a little bit and let them play some hockey and let them play, but be fair about it. And if the guys are taking stupid, you know, uh, charging penalties and uh, and plays that should be called or cross-checking, uh, you got to make those calls, and that that's going to be part of the game. Mike, back to the shot blocking thing, because Mike Sullivan talked about that for a bit yesterday in his postgame comments, that it's a mentality. It's it's also personnel to a degree as well, is it not? In the sense that, you know, Ian Cole isn't here anymore, Ron Hainsey isn't here anymore, uh, you know, Nick Benino is gone. Some of the guys that are now playing in place of these guys aren't the shot blockers that were there in those positions previously. Uh, Kuhn Hockel and Rowney have been hurt at times this year and aren't getting a ton of ice time when they are playing. Is it really a mentality or is it personnel? Oh, well, 
I mean, do you want Sid and Gino blocking shots? That's that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, it, do you want Kessel blocking shots? Out of the, you know, get a good chance to get out of the lineup. Well, do you want Broussard I, talk, uh, blocking yeah, shots after really. the thing I we mean, just talked uh, about? Yeah, there's a there again going back to uh, you wouldn't want to do it on a regular basis. Let me let me put it that way. I don't I don't think anyway. Uh, but there are times when you have to maybe sacrifice your body, and uh, that that's going to be that's basically I think what he's kind of talking about is if you got to fill a lane and you got to get over there and make a desperate chance to to try and block the block the opportunity that the other team is having. That just comes with compete level, and that comes with uh, you know putting it all out there. Uh, are they blocking as many shots as they did a year ago? Probably not. And Annie and Cole is a big part of that, and uh, that's part of his game. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it's a, And Ron Hainsey, that is part of his game. That's how he plays the game. I mean, he'll wait and he'll be patient, and that's how he kind of uh, handles situations. There are other players that can uh, stick check you and make, uh, make a play or two and take the puck off your stick and go the other way. Those two guys, that doesn't happen too often. We were you know talking about those two. But shot blocking is uh, it, it's, it's an art. And uh, certain players can do it much better than others. And uh, I don't know. You look at Kuhn Hockland, you look at Rowney, and they've both been hurt and uh, beat up all year long. And uh, that's not an easy job to do for anybody doing those those type of endeavors. Mike, thanks for the time, as always. Great catching up with you. Always enjoy listening to you on the X, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tim. All right, Mike Lang, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins here on 105.9 The X. When we come back... Bob and I have some very distressing news. An ex-favorite is off the open market. We're not talking about Stormy Daniels, but we will talk about Stormy Daniels, too. That that to come before the top of the hour. And to open the 5 o'clock hour, there's news about the potential of the Steelers drafting a quarterback early in the draft. Should they? We talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Hey, Mark. I want a sugar daddy. Double M, not to hang. How about all at once? The X at 105.9. He was like, uh, have you seen my new magazine? He was showing you his own picture on the cover of the right, magazine. Right, And I was like, someone should take that magazine and spank you with it. And I said, you know, give me that. And he, I remember him going, you wouldn't. Hand it over. And uh, so he did. And I was like... Turn around, drop him. You told Donald Trump to turn around and take off his pants? Yes. And did he? Yes. So he turned around and pulled his pants down a little. You know, he had underwear on and stuff, and, and I just gave him a couple swats. What do you think that looked like? Like, how much did it ripple exactly? That's what I want to know. Bob McLaughlin joining us right now, 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, I can't be the only one that had that awful image in my head after seeing that last night. One of, by the way, on average, 21.3 million viewers for Stormy Daniels on 60 Minutes last night. Best ratings in how long? Ten years. The last time they had numbers that high was when Barack and Michelle Obama sat down for their post-election interview in 2008. And refresh my memory, they did not talk about swatting each other no. in the ass. With the Neither one of them slapped the other one with a magazine of Barack Obama on the cover of Time. Or my only like question, that. though, Tim, is that I, from what I can remember, they didn't name the specific magazine last night, right? So it could have been like Mad or Cracked. Cigar aficionado or something right. to that effect. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, Which would I, I don't know better what it was. if it was Mad Magazine because you know they'll be addressing that in their next issue. <laughs> 
I was watching that last night. Did you take anything away from that besides period interest or no? Uh, no. Ju- well, just that the this- intimidation factor. And that this legal battle is going to go on for quite a while. And breaking news, she just sued his lawyer, Michael Cohen, the guy who wouldn't respond to that story last night. She sued him today? She sued him today in another thing for defamation of character by saying that she's lying because he has gone on and said some pointed things about her being wrong and making this up. And she's like, well, I'm not making it up and I can prove it. So I'm going to sue you too. The Trib ran with us. The Trib, where I work, ran with the story today. It's on the front page of Trib Live. Stormy Daniels to perform in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and they quoted Tom from Blush. She's quoted in the article. She's got to do an interview with Mark, doesn't she? Are we working on this? Oh, are, yeah. That are was, birds in the air here? That was set up probably a week and a half ago. Because hey, she's been on Mark's show how many times? Well, was she the one that broke down and cried in the middle of Mark's show at one point, or was that somebody else? Oh, that's happened a number of times. <laughs> are we talking adult stars only or I'm like regular adult, guests? No, no, no. I'm talking adult stars only. Who was it that threw a hissy fit that we had? That you, got, you had to go to break the one time? Was that Stormy or no? I don't think it was Stormy, no. No? No. But when, he, when she's on with Mark, it'll just be a podcast, though. Why did they make her look like a librarian last night? Oh, I don't know. I, I, think, she, I think she got to pick the top, don't you? <laughs> No, because if she did, shouldn't she have done something a little bit more reveal? I mean, we all know why we're watching, right? I mean, like she said, she's not trying to act like a victim here or anything. Tim, I don't know about Show you. off the goods. I'm no engineer, but those buttons were under maximum <laughs> stress last night. You think those bridge girders holding up downtown, you know, they're holding up some weight and some force? Uh-huh. Those buttons last night were at max pressure, max PSI, but they did a damn good job. So Stormy will be here. On the 2nd and 3rd of May. And that's as I what said we're earlier, for. Uh, Sister Jane from Loyola, Chicago, she will be here on May the 9th and 10th. Also at Blush. <laughs> Out of her wheelchair by then, so I'm right, told. With the wheelchair or without the wheelchair? Yeah, I was excoriated by someone who said, she broke her hip, that's why she's in a wheelchair. Right, if there's one thing I took I, out I don't of care. The, if there's one thing I took out of the 3 o'clock hour now, it's that she's not permanently bound to that wheelchair, which is great news, and that it was only because of surgery. Yeah, but who cares? No one knows her aside from the little old lady in the wheelchair. Right, like, that, is anybody going to remember her? Oh, she had hip surgery. No, you have the with the other bobblehead. She's the little old lady in the wheelchair. Right, it adds let's, to the legend. Exactly. So let's like represent it. Oh, we got to show her standing. And what, speaking of legend, what, is, that a, is, is that offensive to the handy capable out there or something? Like seriously, did you hear the litany of things that I went through earlier? Yeah. About what we're supposed to be offended by? The politically correct. We're supposed to be offended that women don't get watched as much on TV for basketball. Spencer Haywood wants to think that college basketball is slavery. Oh my God, Leonard Hamilton was so mean to Dana Jacobson. You're with me, right? If that's a guy reporter, Florida State isn't issuing an apology. Oh my right God, or wrong. no. No. Not even I especially close. liked in the 3 o'clock hour when you talked about other you know, coaches or players coming back at you for questions. Right. You know, snappy answers to stupid questions, talking about Mad Magazine Yeah, is again. Burt Lawton going to issue a statement the next time Mike Tomlin shoots down one of my questions at the That's Tomlin press say, conference? Just think back to any Tuesday in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's part of my week in the fall and into the winter months. It's it's great fun. Now the Thor Tolo's not here anymore. Although, <laughs> I will tell you, David Todd, he bore the brunt of yes. the very worst of the Mike oh, Tomlin. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, for a while it wasn't even close, but you've kind of slid into that chair. Um, now, you, you tried to segue into the big news here. A uh, major loss on the free agent market. No, not Kenny Vaccaro. No, not Eric Reed. Not Albert Bell. Desi Mitchison. Ex, former ex-morning show legend, SI.com swimsuit model extraordinaire from Kiski. 
Pittsburgh's own. Pittsburgh's own Desi Mitchison. Late of the amazing race, might I add, as well. She got engaged. Yep. To the yacht captain. The yacht captain. The beach picture. We've all seen it all over social media. I was this close, I think, Bob. Yep. I mean, I've I've been out of that for 18 years. I've been, you know, blissfully wed. (laughs) But this would have gotten you back in the game. No, I'm saying that the whole time I was pulling for you. And I'll tell you what. If I can find a magazine with that yacht captain's face, like Yachter Magazine or something like that, and I can dig out a story, I'll get you right back in the game. All right. Yeah, swat me on the ass with it. (laughs) When we come back, are the Steelers really interested in drafting a quarterback? Should they be? If they're not, it's starting to get some buzz. I'll tell you why. You tell me if it's a good idea or not when we come back. 412-333-9939. We'll talk about that in 30 seconds. Here on 105.9 The X.